Friday on Locked On Anaheim Ducks, Erica Branson speaks out. Ryan Miller is nominated for a major award. Murray clarifies some comments about the Ducks head coach. And more on the recent hire in Arizona. Yeah, all of this on Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Yeah, oh man. <sighs> Buenos días, señoritas y señores. Bienvenido a Locked On Patos, presentado por rockauto.com. Me llamo Jason J.D. Hernandez. Tenemos un show divertido por delante. Okay, I'm going to stop. <laughs> We've got a packed show today, so I'm not going to waste much time here. Don't forget, you can hear us on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you can hear any of your podcasts. And make sure to rate, comment, subscribe if you haven't already. Yeah, I'm talking in Spanish for a reason. All right, let's get right into it. First, we have a couple Ducks-related stories to get to. The always courteous Sweet Tooth, Ryan Miller. Yeah, I'm going to introduce him that way. He was such a Sweet Tooth, but the always courteous Ryan Miller was selected as the Ducks nominee for the 2020 Bill Masterton Memorial Trophy. For those that aren't aware, the NHL annually awards this trophy to the National Hockey League player who best exemplifies the qualities of perseverance, sportsmanship, and dedication to hockey. Recent winners include Robin Lehner, who was battling alcoholism and bipolar disorder, Brian Boyle, who had been diagnosed with myeloid leukemia, Phil Kessel, who had missed some time to battle cancer, and the Ducks' own Tamu Solani in 2006 after overcoming major knee surgery to score 90 points that season. Now, at the time, it was a consolation for the Ducks not winning the Cup, but having a great season and making a deep and inspiring run all the way to the Western Conference Finals where they lost to the Oilers. Here's what can be said about Ryan Miller. He's one of the very good guys in the league and would be very deserving of the Masterton Trophy. He was one of the first players to condemn the racist culture in hockey three weeks ago. Yes, before this all blew up 17 days ago, he condemned it. He also supports gay rights, even went to a rally and has always been a class act. So while he is very deserving of the award... There are more than a few names on the list of nominees that might get the votes, and one of those names is a former Duck. I'll start with Steven Johns of the Dallas Stars. Some of you don't know that name. He missed all of last season with concussions and missed more than half of this season with post-trauma headaches. But he returned in January of this year and became very emotional after scoring his first goal since returning to action against the New York Rangers. He's only got two goals this season, but in those 17 games, he's averaged about 17 minutes time on ice. So he's come back fairly strong and actually looked pretty decent for a while there. So that's a great and inspiring story in of himself. And that's Steven Johns of the Stars. Next, there is Oscar Lindblom, who we actually helped raise money for in his name, seven months ago on one of the first editions of Hockey Jeopardy where we raised money for the Sarcoma Foundation of America or SFA. Now Oscar is still currently fighting Ewing Sarcoma and is just about at his final round of treatments 
for the rare bone cancer. When he went down with that form of cancer, it really spread like wildfire all over the NHL. And the players were behind him. The team was behind him. And ironically, this took place right around the time of Hockey Fights Cancer for most teams. And a lot of players were behind him. And if you recall, he came back in that emotional scene at the Wells Fargo Center, that first home game back. The fans gave him a very deserving standing ovation. And he's still fighting it. So, you know, they are still Oscar strong out in Philadelphia. So, once again, Oscar Lindsblom, that's the Philadelphia Flyers nominee for the Masterton Trophy. The next name should be familiar to Ducks fans because he went through a scary episode at the Honda Center exactly four months ago, if you can believe that. I'm, of course, talking about Jay Bomeister of the St. Louis Blues, who suffered a cardiac episode in the first period after finishing a long shift. For those of you that don't remember, this took place during the first period, and this took place during the father's trip, where several of the Blues players' fathers came out to support their sons. And just remembering this event personally, this one is still in my mind. It is fresh in my mind because it is one of the last hockey games that I saw before everything happened. If you recall, Jay Bomeister, he collapsed on the bench and they started performing CPR right then and there. Right after they administered CPR, they gave him the the treatment, the AED, and they tried to give him a little bit of a shock to get his heart rate going again. Fortunately, he was able to go to the hospital. He went to the UCI Medical Center, and a month later, that game was made up at the Ponda. It was the Blues versus the Ducks, and if you recall, that was the last game before NHL decided to stop playing games, and this was the same night that the NBA had to stop playing because of Rudy Gobert testing positive for the coronavirus. That was three months ago now. Three months. It's been 90 days since that last Ducks game at the Pond. And if you remember, most of the proceeds from the concession stands, they went towards the UCI Medical Center, which I thought was awesome. So, yeah, it's recalling that tragic event, but Jay Bomeister is another name that's deserving to win the Masterton Trophy. Finally, this name is going to get everybody. Former Duck and current Ottawa Senator Bobby Ryan is up for the award, and his comeback story has been well documented. After rehabbing from alcoholism, Bobby came back in a big way, scoring a hat trick against the Vancouver Canucks. What made this special was the raw emotion from not only him, but from the Ottawa crowd. They all brought signs for support. That was just an amazing night. And you could see him crying on the bench. He was tearing up. He was emotional, not just coming back, but he got emotional after scoring that third goal because of who was in the crowd. He had family in the crowd that night. It was just an emotional, emotional night for him. And something that every fan in Ottawa will not forget. So out of those names... I think Bobby Ryan has a legit chance to win the Masterton Trophy this year just because of how he came back and just the emotion of it all. So once again, those are some of your nominees for the Masterton Trophy. 
you can look up the nominees on Twitter. It's it's out there. There's nominees from each team, so go ahead and check that out. Another quick duck story has to do with the comments that GM Bob Murray made last week. I mentioned in particular what he had to say about the Ducks' her current head coach, Dallas Eakins. Well, some of those comments may not have come out so well. On Tuesday, GM Bob Murray went on Hockey Central from Sportsnet on Tuesday, and he was talking with his old buddy and our good friend Brian Burke, who of course used to work for the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. So Berkey and Bob Murray, they talked a little bit. Bob Murray spoke from the Honda Center. And by the way, he also remarked that they are redoing the locker room for the Ducks. So by the way, the Anaheim Ducks are going to have a new locker room, or I guess a redone locker room, once they come back whenever next season starts. So he went on the show, and he said that he left Eakins high and dry. Here's some of what Murray had to say yesterday. Quote, I was trying to get across the point that I kind of left Dallas high and dry. Because of what had happened the year before when I let Randy Carlisle go, went down behind the bench, and then I brought Dallas in. And with his experience in Edmonton, I felt I had to get away and distance myself for his own good. And I left him high and dry. I should have been around him more. I should have helped him more. End quote. So for Bob Murray to admit that he probably should have helped out, that tells me that there might be some kind of disconnect between Eakins and Murray. And he went on to say some more stuff. Quote, We have a lot of young players there, and when we got injured, we even had more young players. We had too many young players in the lineup. I should have helped more. And it put a big burden on Dallas because of, as we recall, what he went through when he was in Edmonton. That's what I was trying to say, and it didn't come out right. End quote. Yeah, of course it didn't come out right. Bob Murray pretty much raked him on the coals there. He put him over the fire and called out not only Eakins, but called out the young players. If you remember, he called out the core saying that they had to work harder. Yeah, that's not a good look if you're Bob Murray. And some of it might be backtracking on what he said. And maybe it's a kind of apology towards Dallas Eakins. But here's something else that Murray said at the end of the interview. Quote, I'm happy with where Dallas has taken the team. I really believe it started good last year. There was a little problem in the middle, and then it was getting righted near the end. We made a few trades, and it was going in the right direction. Unfortunately, we didn't get to finish the year because I think we would have finished pretty well. End quote. Maybe I'll agree with Bob on that. They did go in the right direction, and they did have a good trade deadline. They made a few very good trades. Once again, they got a first-round pick out of one of those trades. Yes, some would say addition by subtraction. But honestly, the Ducks had a good trade deadline. They were beginning to come together right towards the end of the season. So it's a shame they couldn't play out the rest of those games. But maybe it's a step in the right direction. Who knows? Maybe Murray will help out Dallas a little bit more. Maybe they will communicate better. Maybe, just maybe, they will have a very good NHL draft. And Zegris coming to the Ducks could make a difference. So there's a lot of possibilities for this Ducks team. And in order for Eakins to succeed, 
GM Bob Murray is going to have to be on the same page as Dallas Eakins. We're coming up on the first intermission, but first, I want to talk to you guys about rockauto.com. They have an amazing selection of auto parts for just about any car you could think of, all the way back to the 40s and 50s. They even have parts for the old Packard cars, and they have reliably low prices, and they have all the parts your car will ever need, whether it is simply just oil, or maybe you have to repair a bumper. They have all the parts your car will need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Once again, that is rockauto.com. Coming up after the first intermission, we're going to talk about the stuff happening in Phoenix. And we're also going to talk about, well, what Erica Branson had to say. Yeah, stay locked in. Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, presented by rockauto.com. You're locked in with Jason, J.D. Hernandez, and ay Dios mio, we still have quite a lot to talk about. So it turns out that despite the lack of hockey being played in the great state of California, (laughs) the OC's favorite hockey team somehow finds itself in the news in the wake of some recent events which has been talked about on this very podcast recently. Obviously, the state of the country right now is in dire straits, uh, to say the least. Today, we expect to see protests for the 16th consecutive day here in the Southland, sparked mainly by the senseless murder of George Floyd. If you heard my discussion with Nick Hamilton last week, we both agreed that these protests were going to last for quite a while. Change has to happen, and we should talk about the inherent racism going on here. Well, it looks like the Anaheim Ducks defenseman, Eric Branson, is now amongst those voices speaking out and fighting for racial injustice in a long, but very opinionated piece on Sportsnet. This letter is truly something. You should check it out. So I will throw up a link to the article right along with the episode tweet. There are definitely some key points to this article, and I'm going to read some of it right now. And I want to start off by saying that Eric Goodbranson is a much-beloved player on the Anaheim Ducks. The players love him, the fans love him, and he had quite a bit to say. He knows this is an issue that has concerned him. You know, not being a black hockey player, it concerns him in a different way. He's determined to stop being quiet And he knows that he has to speak up because it's the right thing to do. And he's hoping that by speaking up now, it'll encourage other people to do the same. So here's some of what he had to say. Some of his story. Quote, I'll tell you a little bit about myself and what has led me to this. I was born in Ottawa in 1992 and grew up in a neighborhood that was predominantly white. I went to a French elementary school down the street from my house, walking there and back every day. When I got to grade 9... I left my neighborhood to attend École Secondaire Publique Louis Riel. Walking in on the first day of class was eye-opening. I had gone from a mostly white elementary school to a high school that was very multicultural. Reflecting back now, 
That is where my thought process began because it was probably the first time in my life I'd consciously thought about race. I was shocked at first, not in a bad way, but just by the realization that I would have to make new friends. My class was mostly made up of black students, and to be honest, I'd never been around that many black people in my life. I was really shy to begin with, and assumed I would have trouble finding ways to connect, but all that subsided a few weeks in. I realized that the things I had in common with my classmates far outweighed the differences, and I made some great friendships, end quote. So one of those friendships he talked about was with Mark Frazier, one of his idols, a black NHL player. And here's what else Good Branson had to say about Mark Frazier, quote, Mark was not an all-star by any stretch of the imagination. At the time, he'd just gotten his first shot in the league as a member of the New Jersey Devils. But he was a strong defensive force, the ultimate team guy, and he could straight up throw down when necessary. Although all of these things were impressive, none of them were the real reason I admired Mark so much. I looked up to him because he was from home, the same place where I grew up, and I knew how much he meant to our community. So there I was, a 15-year-old kid, spotting him while he benched three wheels and desperately tending his bar to make sure that when he tapped out, I wouldn't knock his front teeth out. I don't think I said a word to him the first summer we trained together, end quote. Good Branson goes on to tell more of the story about his friendship with Frazier. And he goes on to say that they gave some advice. And Frazier also said to Good Branson, keep your mouth shut and play hard, kid. <laughs> Which is a great quote. But at the same time, it's a very telling quote later on. Good Branson then tells a very poignant anecdote about his friendship with Frazier. Quote, we trained hard and pushed ourselves. And then one Friday, I got a text from Mark summoning me to his place for a couple of casuals. All right, hang on a minute. Let me look at that again. You mean me? So I put my absolute best outfit on and had my mom drop me off. Turns out to be a great night. Sitting in the backyard, hanging out with some of his closest friends and trying not to say anything embarrassing. He ended up telling me that he was really proud of me getting drafted which meant a lot coming from him. There was another reason for my invite, however. I was told to never forget where I came from, no matter what was to come in my future, to be proud and thankful for my community and what it helped me achieve. End quote. That is such a great thing to tell a, a young player. Do not forget where you came from. Do not forget your friends. Don't forget your roots. Don't forget this. Erica Branson, for a few years there, he hung around with mostly black people. He hung, one of his good friends at the time was a black hockey player that was coming up in the NHL. So that really opened his eyes and that brought a new sense for Good Branson, which I thought was amazing that he brought that up on the story. And, you know, he was taught that, you know, just because you're black, you have to be a crucial and vibrant part of your community, no matter what the color is, which is another great lesson to learn. So he ended up coming up alongside some great black players like Devontae Smith-Pelly, Chris and Anthony Stewart, among others. And what Good Branson got out of it is everyone's equal. They're all there to play hockey. They love the game. So here's something else that he said, 
quote, because of my privilege growing up as a white man, I have been blind to the realities that black communities face and the injustices black people encounter on a daily basis. Sadly, it's taken years for me to finally become aware of this and to understand the inadequacies of silence. End quote. So yeah, he cannot be silent any longer and he knows it. He knows he has to have something to say, but it took him a long time to figure out what he had to say. So later on, this was a very telling part of the letter. Quote, When I recently saw footage of the killing of George Floyd, I realized that I had to say something to make my emotions clear. I, like so many others, am disgusted, frustrated, and angry at what happened. And that should be easy for me to say because I can say it without having to worry that there will be personal consequences for speaking out. I spent the first few days after Mr. Floyd's death trying to answer questions in my own head that had no answers. I spoke to my wife and immediate family trying to figure out where we fit into this equation. In my frustration, I knew I had to talk to my friend Mark Frazier to make sense of the mess in my head and to start to learn. On a lengthy phone call, he helped me come to grips with much of what I'd been feeling and shined a light on so much I was still blind to. Mark and I have formed a deep friendship over the years, but to face the fact that I had never tried to fully understand his reality sunk in deep. Given the current situation in our society, the thing that resonated with me the most was knowing that what happened to George Floyd could just as easily have happened to Mark. End quote. One final thing he said that I thought kind of made me just think for a few seconds. That thought shattered his heart to think that one of his good friends could have met that same fate. And based on his fears, he stayed silent, but he knew that he couldn't do that anymore and he won't do that anymore. He knows that he lives in the U.S. now. You know, he's grown to love the country. But he realizes that there's a great discord in our country right now. And he goes on to list names of other people that were killed because of the color of their skin. He mentioned names like, you know, obviously George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, who died. He talked about Trayvon Martin. He talked about Breonna Taylor, among others. You know, he's lived in the U.S. most of his adult life. So it's easy for him to miss the Canadian tragedies that happened, like the deaths of Andrew Loku and Jermaine Carby, among others. Yes, racism is still very present. He talked about a couple of the incidents that happened recently. He talked about the incident in 2012, where a banana was thrown at Wayne Simmons at a preseason game in London, Ontario, of all places. You know, he doesn't love the racism that's going on in hockey, he even talked about how just in November, Bill Peters had to resign as head coach of the Flames after allegations surfaced where he was racist towards Akim Aliyu. And as I had mentioned on this podcast, there was a racist incident that I personally saw, and that happened in Ontario, where Boko Amama was called a racial slur on the ice. So these events are still happening to this day. It's still going on. One final thing that Good Branson said was very powerful to me personally. Quote, 
In regards to the responses to injustice we've seen first in the U.S. and then around the world in recent weeks, Nelson Mandela's words ring so true in my mind. Quote, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. End quote. I personally have also been to South Africa and was there when Nelson Mandela was still alive. And I was really getting into a lot of the quotes that Mandela said. And that happened to be one of them. Seeing that quote in his Soweto house, that brought some tears to my eyes a little bit when I was visiting Soweto Township. We need to have the courage to speak out. We can't be fearful of what needs to be said. We have to triumph over what's going on in our country. And that's something that I kind of take away from that. I read over this letter twice, once aloud, and Eric made some brilliant points in that we have a voice. We need our collective voices to be heard. And that leads me to our special programming taking place tomorrow. As a network, we realize that we have a platform to speak out against this horrible injustice, but also become more educated. With that said, Thursday across the Locked On podcast network, there will be special programming, and it's a special Black Lives Matters roundtable where eight of our black hosts got together to discuss how they've experienced racism and what needs to happen to promote change. Once again, that special programming will take place here on the Locked On Podcast Network, and that takes place tomorrow for the Black Lives Matter Roundtable. So be sure to definitely check that out. And before we go into the second intermission, and this is kind of also an appropriate ad read here, but I want to talk about Built Bar and what they are doing, and I love what they're doing. They're closing out their product. They're going to have up to 50% off for their Built Bar boxes. And also, if you take Built Boost, they're also going to be taking up to 66% off from their Built Boost natural energy formula that you can add to water. And they're also going to have new flavors and formulas coming soon. So basically, they're closing out their inventory. But what Built Bar is doing is 100% of profits will be donated to organizations that support education, poverty, equality, and ending hate and racism. And that's going to be 100% of profits from 8 million bars. That is incredible. And here's what Built Bar has to say on their website. Quote, we've listened. It's time to make a change. Built Bar will be introducing a new and improved bar. The bar you have always loved is about to get better. We have an opportunity to do something more. All profits from the remaining 8 million bars will be donated to organizations that support education, poverty, equality, and ending of racism. Let's make a change together. And that is directly from the Built Bar site. So if you want to try Built Bar for yourself and also help with these profits and help end racism, definitely go to builtbar.com and enter the promo code locked on to get $10 off your first order. And this is a win-win for everybody. So definitely, once again, check out BuiltBar.com. That's B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R 
com and enter promo code locked on to get ten dollars off your first order built bar the best tasting protein bar in the land making a difference and coming up after the second intermission i'll have a few more thoughts on the latest hire in arizona stay locked in Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I've been talking for a while, so this last part is going to be a little bit shorter than I would like. And I'm still in a great mood about what took place in Arizona. As in case you missed yesterday's news, the Arizona Coyotes have named Javier A. Gutierrez as the new president, CEO, and alternate governor, becoming the first Latino team president and CEO in NHL history. Still some great, great news to have a Latino as the president. It's breaking barriers is what it is. It's really awesome that the Coyotes have Latino leaders in the front office. You Last year, you had... Oh, who did they have? Last year, they had Alex Murello, who became the first Latino controlling owner in the National Hockey League. He's Cuban-American. And now you have Gutierrez coming in. You have two Latinos in the front office. And I'll admit, the Coyotes might now be one of my top five favorite teams for that reason. And it's a good reason for someone that's a Latino like myself. It's very awesome to see the Coyotes doing this. Yesterday, he held a press conference and had quite a lot to say. Uh, One of the things he said in the press conference had to do with what's going on in our world right now. He addressed it head on. And one of the quotes that I liked from yesterday's press conference is the following. Quote, Sports is the ultimate celebration of the human spirit. Sports have the power to unite, to inspire. What do sports teams have? They have the incredibly powerful voice. They have an opportunity to not remain silent, especially when it comes to condemning issues like racism and bigotry and injustice. They can also use our very public platform to bring people together to educate those, end quote. And I feel like that's what I'm doing here, is we have the platform to educate people and to inform people of not just what's going on in our sports world, but how that relates to what's going on in real life. And having that platform to be used for good, it's a very powerful thing. And I like that Javier said that a lot. Uh, Something else that he talked about was he knows that this is a a historic day. He realizes that. And he wants to bring a vision to keep the Coyotes in the Phoenix area. That's what he wants the most. He wants to keep the Coyotes in Phoenix. And something else that was mentioned, um, not just in the press conference, but on the initial reaction, uh, he wants this to be a winning franchise. Quote, we both want to win. Mr. Modelo and I share a very compelling vision for this franchise. We want the Coyotes to be a winning team on the ice and a winning business organization off this ice. We want a world. We want to build a world-class organization with elite players and the best management team in the front office. One other thing that's a priority of his is he wants to expand the Coyotes fan base and find a better permanent home for the franchise. He realizes that the Coyotes are one of the least attended teams in the National Hockey League. They currently play at the Gila River Arena in Glendale, Arizona. Uh, That arena was built way back in 2002, and it didn't open until late 2003 in the 03-04 season before they went to 
Oh, what was it? The lockout. Yeah, the lockout happened from 0405. So they had half a season in their new arena before the lockout happened. Then once they came back, I would say most of the fans came back, but they've been plagued with attendance issues since leaving America West Arena. Yes, I know America West Arena had its issues and there were a lot of obstructed seats. Not quite as bad as the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, but still bad enough where they had to reduce the capacity of that arena. And America West Arena had kind of the same thing. It was a basketball first arena. It always has been. It was built back in 91. Uh, America West Arena opened in 1992 at the start of that season, which, by the way, was Charles Barkley's first season in the Valley of the Sun. But you look at Gila River Arena, it's a nice venue. It's been around for 17 years now. And people are saying it might be time for a change. And one thing that uh, Gutierrez might concentrate on is building a new arena in the east side of Phoenix, which happens to be where most of their fan base currently resides. Most of the Coyotes fan base is on that east side of Phoenix. They're not in that Glendale area. They're not in that area where Camelback Ranch is. No, sir. We're talking about cities like Tempe. Tempe apparently has a very strong fan base as far as the Coyotes go. Mesa apparently has a strong fan base. Scottsdale has a pretty big fan base. Gilbert, Arizona. Chandler, Arizona. That's the area where you want to build your arena on the east side of town. Not Peoria, not Glendale, not Tolleson, not Surprise. So that's something that they definitely do need to think about at some point is building that arena out there and moving venues to go to where your fan base is. It's worked in other sports in the past. And I can think of a very recent example where that has happened. And that's in Atlanta with Truist Park. It was SunTrust Park. Now it is called Truist Park in Atlanta. Uh, What the Braves did was they moved their ballpark to Cobb County near Atlanta Just a little bit north of Atlanta. Actually, it's way north of Atlanta. It's in Cumberland, Georgia. But as far as attendance went, the Braves used to play at Turner Field in downtown Atlanta. Yeah, it it was a crappy stadium. I've I've been there. Not my favorite. In fact, I would rank Atlanta as one of my bottom five stadiums. And the attendance reflected that. They were always in the bottom 10 of attendance in that cavernous stadium. It looked really bad when you had maybe 40% capacity for a home Braves game. Now, the Braves, in their three seasons at the new ballpark, have been 13th, 12th, and 12th as far as attendance goes in the last three seasons. So they're getting up there as far as attendance. It helps that the team is doing better, and it also helps that there's not a million empty seats. But when you think about... Changing venue, it certainly helped the Atlanta Braves. Maybe this is the kind of thing that could really give a boost for the Coyotes franchise. So we'll see if he gets that wish. And personally, I wouldn't mind seeing a new arena out there in the east side. It could be better than what they have now, right? Uh, I've talked for a long time, and I think that's a great place to wrap up. Uh, Just to remind you that Friday's show is going to be a show just for you, the fans. What I want to know is, what is your favorite memory as a Ducks fan? Why did you become a fan of the Mighty Ducks? Who's your favorite player? Um, Let me know on Twitter at LO underscore Ducks or email me at LockedOnAnaheimDucks at gmail.com. Also, you can follow me personally at StimpyJD. And I just want to remind you that we have special programming going on 
tomorrow. Uh, we have the Black Lives Matters Roundtable where eight of our black hosts got together to discuss racism, to discuss promoting change. Once again, that will be special programming taking place across the Locked On Podcast Network tomorrow, which is Thursday. So definitely make sure to listen to that. Uh, Don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe if you have not already. And finally, do not forget, we still have a contest going on. It's a pinned tweet on the Locked On Ducks Twitter, and I want to hear from you guys. If you want to leave your favorite moments in that tweet, let me know. Put it on there. And I will come around and read some of those great moments that you left on Friday's show. So I want Friday to kind of be like a mailbag. I want to get your opinion. So please send them on to me. Let me know. And that will be for Friday's show. Also, I might throw in some extra stuff as well. So once again, thank you all so much for listening. And hopefully you have a great rest of the day. For Locked On Anaheim Ducks, I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez saying have a good Wednesday. And stay safe, Anaheim.